Did you see some waves? Fuck it. Let's, uh, why don't we just dive right in? Episode 51, GearBuds Podcast. You've got your buddies, Henry and Dave here, along with super special guest, Mr. Sam Porter. Hey. How's it going? Hey. Dude, thanks so much for being here. Sam uh, is in the band Kali Masi, as well as the product photographer at Chicago Music Exchange and other amazing things. Hi. So <laughs> super excited to have him on. Not only is he just a wonderful artist and and all of those sorts of things, he's a good friend as well. So it's a great deal to have him on. Really excited to have you on, buddy. We're just going to dive right into some of our segments here and get going. Uh, we're going to go right into the symphony of corrections here. This is your weekly reminder. Cables are tone tubes. And I do have uh, something to say about this. Uh, yeah, we man. officially have a website. Uh, if you go to tone t- tonetubesnotcables.com, you will see um, not really much, actually. You'll see just like some some jokes that I made on there because we're not actually selling anything yet. But we will soon. Uh, it just doesn't seem like the right time to launch a business right now. You know, I don't, <laughs> Maybe there's something going on in the world. I'm not really sure what's up with that. But uh, tonetubesnotcables.com. Uh, follow us, Instagram, Facebook, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, blah, 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 blah. Also, I've still been updating uh, gearbudspodcast.com slash free dash stuff for all of your uh, free software, plugins, all that kind of stuff that um, makers are stepping up and offering right now. Um, There are a ton there. I'm not going to go through them all again right now. Uh, One that I would like to point out really quick, though, is because um, it's actually something that I've already used all the time and paid full price for a long time ago. Uh, Peterson iStrobosoft plugin. It's their, their tuner for iPhone and Apple and blah, 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 Google stuff. Um, it's on sale for $4.99 right now. It's my favorite tuner. Check it out. $4.99 is well worth the deal on that one. Nice. Um, go Again, gearbudspodcast.com. There's a link, free stuff, all that stuff's there. Um, getting into a little bit of news right now. Uh, kind of a kind of a slight bummer at the top here, but I figured it's worth noting. Yep. Uh, Summer Nam was canceled, guys. Yeah. Whoa. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I know. I mean, so, good, good uh, on we, them, but... Totally, yeah, and I mean, I'm sure you were going to be going again, just like we were going to be going. But um, you know, it's we're going to have to wait until winter this year. It's it's the right move for sure. It was kind of a bummer when I learned about it, uh, got that text, and I was like, oh, that makes sense. But also, fuck. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, so. we were um, not that surprised, but uh, it's also yeah, super bummer, man. Yeah. So no Nashville trip this year, but maybe we'll have to go down for another reason. Um, but uh, there is some, there are some, some sort of good things coming out of this, and that's some of the cool companies that are stepping up right now and and turning some of their production facilities where they normally make gear into um, things that are actually helping the crisis going on in the world right now. Just wanted to mention a couple of those really quick because I think it's really cool. Uh, Evans Drumheads, they have figured out how to use the facilities and plastic that they have to actually make face masks instead nice. of drumheads right now. That's awesome. So. That's pretty badass. Shout out to those guys, as well as Thalia Capos. Um, instead of making capos right now, they're actually using their facilities to make something called intubation boxes. I can't pretend like I know exactly what that is, but I know that it's important for the things that are actually going on in these hospitals right now. Um, so big thanks to Evans and Thalia Capos for, for stepping up and doing some cool shit right now. I actually saw the post through uh, Diodario. So I don't know if they're... Does, is Diodario part of, part of Evans? Is that a thing? I believe that Diodario is the parent company of Evans, I want to say. Okay. I don't know. I cool. should know that, but I believe that they're they are related somehow. Yeah, that's great, man. Hell yeah. Wow. Yeah, man. 
So uh, sweet. That's that's all I wanted for the symphony here. I'm going to throw it over to Dave for my favorite segment every week. Dave's Docs. Yeah, rock, rock some Dave's Docs this week. Uh, plenty of time to watch music documentaries right now. Um, <laughs> so uh, we got we to gotta go deep, man. I got to be honest. I'm, the well's running a little dry. Uh, so I had right. a friend send me... Um, semi recommendation and it was the Frank Zappa documentary from 1993 it's on BBC oh, I'm so excited you, about this I sent it to you cuz I got excited I know you're a huge Zappa guy I'll be honest man, man I listen to you know I listen to jazz in college and fusion and all that crazy shit I never really sat down and like pumped Zappa like and it's you know it's a it's a terrible thing but I have to say fucking interesting doc man um you know, just his outlook on life, kind of his his dark humor about the his approach to music, and um, the early shit was. You know what I really liked about it, man. It wasn't it wasn't super progressive. You know, like the way you think of like jazz. He almost had like a soul blues guitar approach. To uh, are you talking about like uh, Mothers of Invention era? Yeah, you'd probably know better than me, but like, yeah, I, I think some of that early shit. I don't know. They showed. Uh, I'm trying to think of the name of this song that he was playing, but it was uh, Black Trouble Vel- Every Day, Black Velvet, or something like that, or uh... the Black Page is a later song. I'm not sure. No, yeah. Anyway, I don't know. I just they showed this super bluesy solo, and I was like, oh, this guy's got like a really soulful approach to playing that kind of obscure jazz, you know. Um, yeah, dude. And I wanted to ask our guest Sam, like, are you a Zappa guy? I I, th- I have uh, that one record, uh, Weasels Rip My Flesh. Um, nice. but that's the only one that I th- I've ever taken a dive into. It's a, it's, he's such a daunting musician to kind of, kind of like enter the fan, uh, realm of he's just, there's yeah. so much yep. material and it's very dense. So I, I've, yeah. uh, there's a lot of bands like that for me that I just like, I'm like, I know that I would nerd out about this cause I love to nerd out, but I don't yeah. know if I'm ready. I don't know if I'm yeah, like dude. fully well, flavored. I tell you what. the exact same way, man. Yeah. Absolutely. We kind of, we kind of, we kind of broached this subject, uh, what many episodes ago when our, our, my friend and yours, uh, Mr. Shelby Pollard was on the episode or on, I think it was like episode 16 or something. Yeah. Like that. And, uh, I actually took the time to make what I consider to be a sort of, uh, entry point to frank zappa playlist so after we're done here um, i'll send that over to you please um, yeah spoiler alert shelby didn't like it he said it was a little too kooky <laughs> for him but you know what that's fine it's not for I'm, wait, I'm expecting it? it to be so yeah i think it's all about expectations right like it now henry did you do it chronologically like can we go with the time frame or did you just start like all crazy because oh the playlist yeah because i know he got no. really weird in like the 80s and shit right so, so what I, I, I took it from the approach of a guitarist. So I tried to lean heavy, heavily on things that I thought a guitar player would, would be able to sort of relate to. Uh, and some of the kind of like, he never had a quote unquote hit, but he had some songs that did sort of make it on the radio. So I, I made sure to put those on there as well. But no, I mean, you know, when his, his first band, the mother, mothers of invention, they were pretty much like a, kind of like a psychedelic blues rock band. Um, so there, there's some of that on there for sure. But, um, yeah, he. I mean, he went into modern sort of like adult contempo uh, composition, like modern classical music. He did a lot of different weird shit. So definitely avoided that. Um, stayed more in kind of like the accessible yeah. and just like ripping guitar stuff. Could because that was that was how I got into. Yeah, it. I yeah, just yeah. you know I was a young guitar player reading Guitar World magazine and they kept talking about this Frank Zappa guy. So then I just bought his greatest hits and was like, what is this? And then even even still, like I'm a big fan. There is still music of his out there that I've never heard because well, he's got i think it was like 80 in, something i think there's over a, maybe 90 studio I think records over 100 studio records made i heard and they said that in the 80s he was releasing a record a month 
Like that's no not joke. Surprising. I didn't look it up, yeah. but like it was something insane. So last thing was, I'll say about him though that I think is super cool and worth noting, a lot of bands like, you know, this whole live record thing where it's like, oh, I've got a live album and then it turns out that they actually just kind of like went in the studio yeah. and pretty much only kept the 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 applause from the Overdub crowd and everything. Then re-recorded yeah. everything. Yeah. Frank Zappa would do the opposite. He recorded everything live and then because his band was so fucking good and he was such a, like a almost almost not like a dictator but close enough like th- their performances were so good live that he would then use those to make studio records. Whoa. Whoa. Like yeah, I know. Oh, wow. <laughs> it's nuts. That's awesome so, actually. I love that. Yeah. Big 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 Zappa guy. I'm I'm happy about how much Zappa's been coming up recently. In fact, now that I think about it, we had a little bit of a little bit of Zappa tangent on the episode with our buddy uh, Mr. Bass Dad, Mark Najar. Yeah, that's right. That's I think that's what spawned this whole thing. Um, I don't know, but yeah. So check out Frank Zappa 1993 documentary. I mean, it was released in '93, but it's uh, BBC '93. It's on YouTube. Um, you'll find it. Post it on the Facebook. I will. Sure will. This week. Sweet, nice day, right. docs, man. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna kick it over to the Riff Library, which is uh, this week, or actually, I should say this morning. I was, you know, I was digging through the, I was digging through the vinyl. I was like, what's something that I haven't listened to in a while? But I wanted, I wanted something a little different. I've been kind of in this like heavy mood lately. I wanted to get something a little bit different, and I just, you know what? It was time to listen, to, or I should say, re-listen to uh, Mr. Jeff Buckley's Grace. Wow. Uh, you know that that record. I mean, what can you even say? It was the man's only only studio record that ever came out uh, unfortunately died at the age of 30 before he could finish his second album um, i mean virtuoso guitar player amazing songwriter one of the most talented vocalists of i don't know ever maybe um did a little bit of did a little bit of investigation about the record because i of course i listened to it a bunch of times but i don't think i knew right. much about sort of like the the creation of it um, came out in 94. They recorded it in 93 with Andy Wallace, which shouldn't be a surprise to anyone. Cause he seemed, I think Andy Wallace did like every big record in the nineties. Um, a couple things that I didn't know about it. One, the whole record was done with an 83 telly, which I'm not sure, but my, my telly might be an 83 telly. It's either 83. I think or it is an 83, it's, right? It it's might, it's very hard to tell with the serial numbers. Uh, right. I can't say for sure, but it had a dunk. Yeah. Right. It had a Duncan hot rails in the bridge. Uh, which that's kind of interesting. Um, all of those songs are in standard tuning. Like you listen to wow. that shit and you're like, oh, what what weird tuning was that dude using? And yeah, no, it's totally. either standard tuning or there's like a couple that I think, or maybe one's in drop D, but it's all just like standard tuning. In fact, I read uh, an interview with uh, Jimmy Page where he was talking about having gone to see Jeff play in 94 and, he, and that was the thing that struck him. Like not only what, that it was amazing, but it was like he expected to see this dude playing in weird ass tunings and it was like, holy shit, this dude's just playing in standard tuning. Um, also, another thing that I feel like should be mentioned, David Bowie called it his all-time favorite album. Wow. Wow. Holy shit. Man, right? That's nuts. <laughs> Like in some interview, he was talking. They asked him for like top ten Desert Island records, and he said that if he could only pick one, it would be it would be Jeff Buckley Grace, which I was like, Oh my god, shit, man. that's so um, cool. One last thing, and actually, this will kind of tie back to Dave's docs, which is you know it's kind of nice when this happens. Uh, I always just assume that all of the guitar on that record was him, but he did have a couple other people that he worked with on some of the tracks. One of whom is a man by the name of Gary Lucas who also played in Captain Beef, Captain Beefheart's band for a long time, who also used to do a bunch of shit with Frank Zappa. Right. So a little bit of a, mm, little bit of a we tie did, back to the Dave We did not right plan there. that, dude. That's actually, that's really cool. 
All right. Couldn't plan it if we tried. So <laughs> if you if anybody listening hasn't listened to this album before, which I kind of doubt, but if you haven't, just just go listen to Grace. You'll you'll feel good for it. One last thing I will say about it though, I mean, you know, I think even with just this, this one record and some of the songs are covers, inclu- including probably the most famous song, Hallelujah, like he had Jeff Buckley had his own sound. He did he did this own sort of like post folk thing that like nobody else really could do but there is one song on that record that sounds so much like 1994 that i was just like i i almost kind of forgot about it. like it could have been it could have been like a an incubus song or something like that it had this like <laughs> total 90s like alt rock progression going on and like some like real chunky guitars stabbing and stuff like that nice. i was like oh well i guess it is it's a timeless record but there is still at least a little bit of imprint of 1994 on there hell yeah man yeah, I like that because that's such a classic record. You don't think about what when it actually came out, even you know. Yeah, it, it's it's timeless. It sounds like it could have came out in the seventies or eighties or whatever, you know. Yeah, and it still sounds excellent. I mean, the production on that, the mix, and everything is so good. I the the version I have on vinyl is not the remaster. I'm pretty sure there is a full remix remaster out there with like bonus tracks and all that shit. But I have not um have not dug into that one. I'm still just just rocking the original here. Nice man. Well, good good rack, man. I'm definitely gonna throw yeah, that man. out. Riff library. Uh, one thing for future gear. Uh, this is, if anybody that's, uh, listening is a universal audio user like me, uh, you'll know that their Luna recording system has been released into the world. Really? Which, um, yeah. So I if you, that. if you've got an Apollo interface, uh, you can, I should say, if you've got an Apollo interface that is not the original Firewire version, like mine is, unfortunately, if you've got a Thunderbolt Apollo interface, uh, you can now get Luna for free and use Whoa. that as your DAW. Um, you know, it's still very much V1 and they kind of, uh, they admitted that they sort of rushed to put this first version out because they knew a lot of people could use it right now and it was just something to to kind of help out in this time. But um, it's out. Uh, check it out. Um, I haven't been able to yet because, like I said, my interface that I'm using right now is still the Firewire version because I'm old. But um, it's out. It's free. Check it out. That's oh, yeah. so sick. I didn't know that. I'm so excited to mess around with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. Uh, you know, I will say that there is a little bit of uh, internet, I'll say consternation, a little bit of controversy going on. I'm in a few different um, Universal Audio forums that I check out. Mm. And I think that even though nobody was trying to be misleading, it to me it seemed like, and, and when my friends at Universal Audio were walking me through it at NAM, yep. it seemed to me like all of the all the components were going to be included, such as the Neve summing. That was like kind of one of the big uh, one of the big selling points. It turns out that is actually uh, an extra purchase, so that does not come included with the free download. Uh, you get like a light version of um, some of the instruments and such that are coming with it, but it does not include everything. And I think a lot of people felt maybe a little misled about that. I can't say for sure. I I was under the impression that it was going to all be free with it, but I guess it seems like in the marketing materials they at the very least updated the wording and and made it clear that like you do have to pay extra for all the Neve stuff and the like Moog Model D and that kind of thing. That you knew sense. it. You knew that was going to happen. It's too good <laughs> to be true. I mean, it's their model, right? Like that's I, I you can't be that surprised with with a company that has made their sort of modern name on selling plugins that are super fucking awesome and I use yeah. all the time, but yeah. they're still expensive and you got to got to pony up. So Yeah. You knew it was going to be Go check good, it out. Though. I mean, they, that's like their bread and butter, so it's going to be awesome. Yep. <clears throat> it's going to be amazing. I frankly, I will probably 
I, my plan is because uh, we we were about to move into a new stu- studio before all this thing was going down, and I wanted to have a rig here and there. Um, I was going to buy another one so then I could actually use it, but unfortunately, that just hasn't been able to happen yet. But I, I my plan is I do eventually plan to move over to Luna. Like the stuff that I that I know about it and the little bit of uh, hands on time that I got with it at Nam sold me. I want to check it out. So if you've got a if got an Apollo, go check it out, folks. It's Hell out yeah. there. All right, I feel like that's. Uh, just about enough, uh, enough enough business talk, enough rambling at the top. It's time to get in our buddy Sam here a little bit. And the way that we like to do that uh, is through a segment that I like to call a couple two-tree randos. I love this part. And that is I love these. Uh, I going love to these. be where we just ask you a bunch of random questions. So, Sam, I hope you're ready for this, bud. We're going to warm yeah, you up here. Um, if you could swap places with any band member of any band, past or present, despite your skill level or their skill level, who would it be and why? Oh man! Um, first person that comes to mind for me is Adam Willard. Airwaves and against me because he is not only just like so insanely talented, but he just seems to be like in the right place at the right time. He's been in some awesome bands. Um, I'm a huge Against Me fan, and I wish that I was good at drums. <laughs> wow, that's a, you know, man, that's a surprising that, one. Yeah, you I, picked I, a drummer, I actually man. thought. Shocked, well, yes. I thought you were going to say Laura Jane Grace. Like that, if I if I had to guess before this episode, I would have been like, oh, he's going to say Laura Jane Grace. No, I don't want the, I don't want the pressure. <laughs> pressure to be that probably like one of my all-time favorite people and like my hero um is uh carrie brownstein from sleater kinney um i would love to trade places with her because again super talented also like really talented writer what what a what an all-around champ um badass yeah, so that's, that's a great that's a great person right there dude firing on all cylinders i love this all right yeah. let's keep it moving uh childhood celebrity crush um somewhere between uh marissa tomei and uh cameron diaz we're we talking like my, my cousin my cousin Vinny marissa oh tomei? yeah man. yes yes uh <laughs> <laughs> yeah. pause attraction that is just like i think that just like uh just launched me into puberty <laughs> same here my friend same here as a as amazing Ooh. Getting getting my heart pumping here, boys. Beautiful. Uh, lady. Let's keep it going. Do you do an impression? Um, I feel like I'm constantly doing impressions. I'm like <laughs> I'm a I'm very much an impression guy, but I don't know if I'd be comfortable to do one for you. I don't have like a like one that I do. If that's you mean, I just make fun. How about how about like an accent? Like, can you? Yeah, and it doesn't have to be. It doesn't have to be a celebrity. Yeah, if you just like, it actually doesn't have to be good either impersonate your friend's voice or something you know it's or, or not but you know I, it's it's a fun one to throw out there to see what people got i'm a pass and i bet it'll come up later just smile <laughs> good love it just yeah just throw it in without warning me and then i'll be like why all of a sudden does he sound like he's from baston we'll fit it into the segment yeah yeah all right so this question actually comes from episode 50 guest mr mason marangella from vertex effects uh and he wanted to know um if you could sort of look back on the successes that you've had within music and photography and your creative life and professional life. Um, can you, can you distill it down to something that you feel like has led to that success? Um, yeah, I think that, uh, a couple things, first of all, some, something that I took to heart that of like buzz up from the Melvins in this interview, I don't, 
really care about that band. I've never really got dug into it, but he said something that really resonated with me once that was just like, just don't break up. Um, you kind of got to fake it till you make it a little bit and just like, you know, play those headlining shows, even when you're like, I don't know if we should be headlining or whatever. Um, and just more places, more like, like you will like being in the right place at the right time only works if you are more like for right now, for instance, like the live stream thing is really big because like, why not? Like, it's not a, it's not a, I don't believe in it as like a commodity. I don't want to like keep my music, uh, like, like close to myself and, and nobody else gets to have it. Like a big, a lot of like the success of my band, the small success that my band has had has been from touring just like six or seven years of just like hard touring going all over, um, being in front of people, whether it was like five people the first time and 50 people the next time, like that snowballing has been like so real for us. And like, it has been so important even when we didn't know how to do it. Like our first tour was the West coast. We didn't know what we were doing. We were just emailing people that we had never talked to and asking them to let us play and playing house shows and all sorts of shit. And like those relationships have lasted forever and those fans have lasted forever. Um, so just like, just don't wait till you're ready or prepared or have the right gear to do it. Even just go do it and do it as much yeah. as you can. Um, cause I don't know, you got the, you got the chance to do it. And like, that is like, that will sow the seeds for wherever you're going to go, whether it's with your project that you're working on now or something else later on. That's awesome. Man. Sam, that was, that was, that was a beautiful eloquent answer. And, and folks, if you, I just have to, I just have to throw this in here right now. Like not only, not only <laughs> is Sam obviously a very well-spoken man, but he is just like undeniably an extremely handsome man. So it kind of upsets me a little bit that <laughs> you're not only so eloquent, but also just like such a good looking dude. So <laughs> I had to Google your have photo. To, actually, have I have it that. stapled to my <laughs> desktop right now. <laughs> yeah, you know, screensaver. I'm kind of it, it's kind of like a it's kind of like a, a you know a, a win lose situation here that we have to do this remotely because on the one hand like sucks that we have to do this remotely but also like I don't have to have you in my living room and just feel really <laughs> ugly uh, in the same room with you so thanks for that. Uh, <laughs> I don't final know, question here, last question, and this is one that I want you to come up with. What question should we ask our guest next week that you would like to know from them? And you don't uh, get to know who they are, so it doesn't okay. matter. Yeah. Um, I would say that man, hmm. What is uh is there is there a I mean, I kinda wanna piggyback on this question and say like, was there a moment where you kind of felt like has there been a moment where you felt like you got to the the mountaintop, you know, of what you were going for and what was that moment? Like obviously those are fleeting moments you're there and then sure. there's another mountaintop that you see or whatever but like what was some time that you've been able to to look down and be like I, i'm there this is exactly where i wanted to be this is exactly who i wanted to be describe that moment love it great question it's going it's going on the list it's happening all right well nice. that was a couple two three randos and we're just gonna we're just gonna keep on moving and keep on the, driving me to the thing here so sam let's take it back a little bit bud um what uh what was your kind of starting music how did how did that happen for you where where did that bug bite you um probably like early like man my brother had napster and uh like right when <laughs> napster like came out and he downloaded uh, a couple songs and the two that I remember was uh, Miss Jackson by Outkast and nice. uh, wow. and 
Knights of Aginnis make you strong by against me. Um, and before that, I think I had, I had like a bunch of now CDs. I had evil 65 and I had like Buddha and take off your pants and jacket. And, uh, like just a a hysterical like CD collection. And then I just like, kind of like got bit there. Like, uh, I mean, Against Me is a huge band for me, always has been. Um, so that really got me going on like uh, kind of digging into like punk rock and like just like, hey, you can just play guitar by yourself and it can still have like this ethos um, that I was not familiar with. Um, so yeah, I just started going to the library and uh, getting CDs and ripping them at home on my computer. And I ended up with like, um, let's see, I ended up with a bunch of like street punk into like the casualties and a global threat and against me and that was like a big era of my life where that was like all i fucking cared about um but i also got like elvis costello and the imposters and i got like danzig circle of snakes i wish i was still doing that because i I, like yeah got me into so many records that i uh that i just honestly love and then from there it was just like kind of just becoming a nerd and trying to learn like the name of every person in the clash and every person in the sex pistols and, and like learning about the year that everything happened. And like, I just really got into like the lore. And, uh, when did you, uh, when did you start playing guitar? Uh, I started playing guitar when I was like probably eight. I like stole my acoustic guitar or an acoustic guitar from my brother, um, from his room. And I learned to play inspector gadget. Um, yeah. And that was the tab that, rung me into playing guitar <laughs> with one finger you know that's amazing shout out to shout out to your brother evan good yeah guy, that guy yeah good um do you remember what your first guitar that was like what your guitar what that was strat pack yeah, squire baby. strat pack dude yeah <laughs> um yeah it was a little black one. guitar center i think so yeah yeah that's like that's is that beautiful. like early 90s or something like that yeah it was it was late 90s for me but that's yeah it was just like a little strat with a little amp and did it come with the amp yeah the squire amp or whatever yeah yeah that was it i'm man you know i have to wonder how many fruitful rock and roll careers were started specifically by that squire strat pack because i knew i didn't have it but i a bunch of my friends did for sure and like you're not the first person that said that to me like that you know shit on those guitars all you want but most people got to start somewhere and it seems like a lot of people started with those people love squires man they actually like people there are people out there that collect squires i mean obviously the, the early 80s stuff was insane you know they were using a lot of the same components as you know the u.s market was using um yeah those were japanese right Yes, exactly. Um, the JV series, the SQ series, those are all, they're so expensive now. I've seen them for like a thousand bucks on Reverb. Yeah. Like, those are yeah. out of your mind, man. It's like, but, all uh, right, take, take, a, take, a, take a breather and relax on those. People. Yeah, let's like just sell it dollars, but come on. No, no. But I mean, I, I get it, man. It's, I think everybody started on a Squire. Henry, did you start on a Squire or was it an Epiphone? Oh, do you come on? You know me. I'm 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 Epiphone through and through, baby. I know, I'm, I know. I'm such a I'm such a Gibson boy that yeah. I actually, in fact, I my first guitar. I have all my first guitars. Like I had, 
uh it was like a crappy pawn shop nylon string that doesn't even work anymore and then i got uh did you have harmony like, is, electric you have the elvis signature guitar wasn't it or something and then i got an elvis signature acoustic yeah. and then Whoa, i got that's an cool epif- an epiphone yeah. les paul but it's not like it's not the jumbo it's a really weird one it was made by epiphone and i still have it but instead of saying epiphone on the headstock it says elvis that's and, even cooler and, man <laughs> and it i know and it has and it has a lightning bolt like the tcb you know taking care of business like lightning bolt on there it's a fucking great guitar actually <laughs> i still have awesome. it and Damn, yeah. and true to form when i was a kid i i decided that i needed to take the finish off the neck so like i took a i took a straight razor and just like scraped the finish off the back of the neck and like still to this wow. day i hate guitars with finish on the neck yeah wow anyways i'll vouch for we that. don't need to go back down my <laughs> memory lane. no this i didn't mean to die that's pretty sick yeah. no it's all good yeah. um so uh what uh do you like when did you start playing with other people how did that how did that happen Dude, just other kids at school. It just seems like everybody just got into music in my small town kind of at the same time. And we all where just started. Where was that? And what, where was that? McHenry, Illinois. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's up by Wisconsin. I've heard of it. Yeah, and like what was happening was like there was a really sick little punk rock music scene there in Wonder Lake and McHenry. And my brother joined like the coolest fucking like DIY punk band around. So I started to get to go to all these fucking shows and like meet these older kids and I just like was so influenced by them and I was like well, I have to start a band um and you know just got a couple buds together and we just like you know rip some covers in a basement or whatever um and uh after a while I ended up I ended up in this like punk rock like surf rock band uh when I was like in like coming out of eighth grade and we played together for a couple of years and that was like kind of where I cut my teeth like writing songs and and singing in a band and playing shows and shit it was really fun so you're you're even singing back then too that's that's pretty cool uh do you is that is that something like do you would you ever want to just be a guitar player or do you like doing the do you prefer doing the singing and and guitaring and songwriting thing um i like to i i don't love to sing i love to play guitar um yeah but i i don't know i i I would love to play bass or drums in a band or something. I could play guitar in a band, but I feel like I just like, I don't know where to like, I, I stop writing more parts when I can't sing along to them. And if I sure. wasn't singing, I think I would just be like noodling constantly. And I don't think anyone <laughs> wants that. <laughs> Not you know really. what I mean? Yeah. Like, like you I was never just, know, man. like when I was like in college, I just like was super into like, like third wave emo bands and like math rock, like grown ups and snowing wow. and stuff. And so like, I just like that. And like, obviously like maps analysis and Terramalos and stuff. But like, I, I went down that rabbit hole super hard. And now my guitar playing is broken. Like I cannot write, <laughs> like, like I can't like stop. I always want to add like more shit and it's just, uh, it's silly. We'll call it silly. <laughs> it's a little, a little silly, but it, it it makes you you, and and we're happy for that. So, um, when did the when did the Kalimasi thing start happening? Um, so my surf rock band, which is called the Blue Waves, um, broke up in uh, like 2011 ish, and I was kind of just starting to write some songs with uh, with the dudes that I had gone to high school with, um, and yeah, we just like we wrote for like a year and then made a little ep called 900 feet beneath and uh we were called the howl then and we were that band for like a number of years until 2017 and then we changed our name to kalimasi but uh but yeah we just started like ripping these songs that i wrote and uh 
yeah, just playing some shows around like the suburbs. Like I think our first show was in Naperville in like January of 2012. And then ever since then, we've just been like going, you know, just like touring and playing shows all over the place. I used to have a punk house in Chicago called Wolf House in Humboldt Park. And we'd have all these shows and like this dude that ran a little label started coming and he liked my band and he put out a seven inch for us and we like, yeah, we just started like going on tour. You guys um, used to host shows at your house. What was that like, man? Um, it was awesome. Um, one of the other dudes lived there and I lived there and my brother lived there and two other people. And it was a really sick house and rent was, you know, between cheap two back and, then. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Two to 400 bucks a, per, a person. It was right. like a five bedroom, you know, with a huge basement and we built a bar oh. and we buy, buy beer and, and sell beer for a buck. And like, yeah, just have these like insane house party shows and, um, yeah, tons of bands from all over the the city and all over the country would come play, and it was uh, right. it was a ton of fun, man. I miss that. Wow. That's the what, dream, um, man. Yeah, that's awesome. So <clears throat> I know that you you had, obviously you told me before that you guys, or uh, you I think it was what maybe a couple months ago you just went and headed out east and recorded a new record. Um, what's uh, what's up with that? What's uh, tell us a little bit about that process. Um, it was awesome. We we recorded in uh, Haverhill, Massachusetts, with this dude Jay Moss, uh, who's a producer out there. Um, I think he's been he started doing some videos for Reverb and stuff. But Jay um, started this band called Defeater. That was like a hardcore band from the East Coast. They're, they're still around, but he's not in it anymore. Um, but he did that. He's put out like a bunch of really sick um, hardcore and pop pop records like um, through the past like ten years or whatever. And, uh, yeah, we just like, we worked with him on our first record and it was really awesome. And we like really hit it off and bonded, um, with him and his family. And, uh, yeah, we just, we just recorded another record with him out East and, uh, you know, it was, it was winter and we hunkered down in his, in his house and just, uh, we did like 13 songs and, uh, it was, it was really special. I'll never forget a moment of recording that record. It was, uh. I was really nervous going in, which I think I was telling you, Henry, because like we had all these songs written musically, but they weren't, they just weren't done. Like a lot of it wasn't done. And we were just like hitting it every night with these demos, trying to finish it up. And it just like wasn't coming. And I think when we went out there, we had maybe like nine or 10 pretty much ready to go. Um, probably nine and like there were some days that we were out there that I just like sat in bed and just like wrote all day and then like did the vocals the next day and like so our like our last record was very much like uh kind of like a a pop punk like polar bear club kind of record and uh we thought we were gonna go make like an indie an indie record like we thought the songs were like way more laid back and stuff and some of some of it ended up being that way but the rest of it is like way way more aggressive so um i'm i'm excited for it to be to come out whenever that will be when everybody's uh you know done with this this quarantining and we can yes make some I, was, moves, I wanted to know? ask like how how it has this directly impacted plans for that at all well i think that everybody's just like really lacks like the the kalimasi team if i can call it that like my band and the people that work with us and jay and everything like we're still mixing the record we're still like we're still finishing it up um and I think that the reason why we're still doing that, you know, months after we've recorded it is just because there's just like nowhere to really go with it. Yeah. If we're going to shop it or make plans to, to put it out or whatever, it's just like, there's just not really any rush. Um, and touring is, we had to cancel a tour that we were going to do in May up in Canada and we were right. trying to have a song out by then, but now it's just like all the tours are canceled and rebooking a tour is, uh, 
is crazy. Like the, the booking agencies are, are closing. Venues are closing. You're like contacting venues and getting like the 10th hold. Let's pump the brakes. I was going to say, uh, Henry, you asked a question a couple weeks ago, um, about like, can you, how do you keep things moving? Like, how, how do you really, like, do you decide that you want to release promos? Do you want to release a single? Do you want to try to do like an acoustic version of something? I mean, what do you think about that? In terms of like with the state of like coronavirus and everything? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like in this time, like, it, you know, people are taking in content more than ever. So, yeah. you know, I'm not saying release a whole album, but w- what are your opinions on like, do you put out a single? Do you try to get together and do like an acoustic thing or an internet thing? Like, is there any opinions yeah. on that? Yeah, I mean, okay, first of all, I think it's really fucking cool what all the bands are doing right now. Like, all the live sessions and stuff. There's, like, Dude, Local H, shout out to Scott Lucas right now. They just did a huge live right. session the other night. That's awesome. so sick. Yeah, man. So, and sorry, like, I didn't mean to cut you off. No, it's it's been a great equalizer. Like, there are people that are, like, huge bands, like Local H or fucking Phoebe Bridgers or whatever, that are and, like, little bands like mine that are just, like, everybody's in the same fucking boat, and we're just trying to make it fun and just keep doing our thing. And, like, I think it's awesome that, like, you can open your phone and, like, see a bunch of, like like really cool bands right now and it's it's gonna suck soon like it's really good like when this is done and we have to go back to going to venues and stuff it's gonna be amazing but like the booking aspect the logistics of it is gonna be like a a really huge nightmare um so i'm kind of trying to like distill this moment and be like just focus on how that uh all these artists are really kind of like everybody's doing fundraisers everybody's trying to get some money together everybody's trying to make it a little more Cause everybody's fucking bored and suck, you know, yep. like we've been trying to, you know, push merch or, or, or help like little community center, like fundraiser stuff and, and whatever. But like doing the live stream thing is really fun and it gets people's eyes on my band, which is nice. But like, it's just like a, an excuse to connect with your fans, I think. And like really start to kind of like make more of a connection than you would if you're just like dropping dropping songs and going on tour and then going to the green room or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, but as far as like making releases, I think if you're comfortable with it, go for it. If we were ready to release it, um, I think we probably would. Interesting. Yeah. I mean, there, there I don't think there's a right answer right now. Nobody yeah. can say one way or yeah, the other. That's it's good kind answer, of just man. how, whatever, whatever you want to make out of it. Um, before we leave the record, I, I'm curious, uh, what um, did you, did you guys bring out, all your rigs and all that sort of stuff. Did you rent stuff? Did you borrow stuff? Like how did you approach the sort of gear aspect of making the new album? Um, we bought, we brought the essentials. Um, I brought my amp head. I play a science decolonizer, 100 watt amp head that I, uh, like really cherish and, uh, my jazz master and all my pedals and stuff. And, uh, I think everybody else in my band didn't bring amps. Um, because Jay has like a little arsenal there, but, uh, mm-hmm. I'm particular about a couple things. So I brought what I, what I felt like I needed and, uh, like every pedal that I own. Cause yeah, I feel like you always look at recording like, Oh man, we're going to like have these like wild, like, like yeah. take a deep dive and we're going to make <laughs> this strange, you know, like some weird, try out like, six different Abbey distortion road. pedals. Yeah. Yeah. And it, I mean, some, some magic happens, but, uh, you know, you don't want to like leave your two weeks recording for just like all spot and 80. It really helps to have a lot of planning going, <laughs> you know, and like be ready to, Absolutely. to record what you, what, what you know um, you're going to record. What's uh tell us, tell us a little bit more about your rig. You mentioned that head. Um, t- tell us about your guitar and pedal board. Like what's, what's going on with those? 
Um, I, I play like an Elvis Costello jazz master, um, that nice. I bought, uh, I like jazz masters, but I bought the Elvis Costello like purely on aesthetics and just kind of have like hacked it up. And, uh, I have some Chicago special, uh, that, uh, yeah, Shelby, baby. Shelby, what, what? Yeah. Yeah. Shelby Pollard gifted those to me, um, which was awesome. a huge homie move. I was using the Lawlers for a really long time and loved those because they are like the antithesis to the AVRI, like ice picky jazz master pickup. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I popped the Chicago specials in, they like, they brought back a little bit of that chiminess and I was like, Oh shit, this is like, um, I, here we are. This sounds great. Um, so I have those I use, uh, for overdrive. I, I kind of keep my amp at like a edge of breakup territory and I push it with a 1981 DRV. Um, and that's a, that's a pretty fun pedal. I like saw that on the internet a lot and was like, what is this overhyped drive pedal? Yep. And, I, and I bought well, we've it. We've talked about that on here. Yeah. Yeah. What, what do you think? I, you know, I, I, maybe I'm just kind of cynical, but because I saw so many people talking about it and, and praising it, I didn't want to like it. And then <laughs> I actually borrowed it and, uh, from actually a dude that used to work at CME as well, took it home and I really liked it a lot. I, I tend to not really like in drive pedals like that. I don't really like super, like, I, I think I'm like you in that I like my amp to be on the veg, on the verge of breakup and then use something else to just push it into like the nasty territory, but not like a ton of gain coming from the pedal. And yeah. that was my favorite way to use that pedal, like a little bit of low drive, but it did a cool sort of like almost hi-fi thing where it, it evenly affected it across the full spectrum, like a lot of bass, a lot of treble, a lot of mids. It was just, I, I liked it a lot. Again, I, I, try, I, 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 I didn't want to like it just because all Same. the hype and I actually really liked it a lot. Same. I almost bought it. I would. I would say I almost bought it angrily. I was like, I'm gonna, <laughs> I was like, I'm gonna buy this. I'm gonna. I, yeah. Like, you know, I was like ready to like think that it was just like super overhyped, just because yeah. it's a really. You're not gonna nice sell me pedal. on this thing. Yeah. And it's. I mean, I liked it a lot. I feel the same way. I feel like it's just like a really tight overdrive, and um, hell yeah for them for earning the hype, in my opinion. Um, mm-hmm. Nice. But I'm like honestly like such a super straightforward. Um, player like i don't rely on effects a lot but that being said because i work at a music store and like rub elbows with a lot of gear people like i have a bunch of like really ridiculously gnarly like like on my board i've got like the tonal recall like red knob um i won it in an in a in a raffle at nam um so that was like super lucky but like i use it for slapback you know i like people would hate <laughs> would hate me so much like like i i i want to de- like put my fucking space helmet on and like take a dive into that stuff but like i don't know i just like i i'm uh i guess i'm a, a like the simple pleasures of uh some room sound some slap back i like chorus uh my favorite effect is I've tremolo gotta, i've gotta say i've gotta say really quick like when you when you were describing yourself as this like simple straightforward guy like i wish you guys could have seen me because i think my eyes rolled in the back of my head only because i've i've been in your music room before i've seen what your pedal board looks like like you've got a lot of cool and crazy shit on there so it was kind of funny for me to hear you be like oh i'm just like whatever but then you've got this like kind of mad scientist pedal board that you're working yes. with half the time yeah i would love to give my pedal board not actually but like give my pedal board to someone who is just like a shoegaze lord and just like see, hear what they can do with it because i'm just like i feel like i use each effect for like its basic thing um and just like i don't know maybe maybe uh i'm sure that would aggravate a lot of people um but i like to have really nice tools i'm definitely like uh into to having like like a tonal recall on a DR the 1981 and like messing around with El Capistan and stuff. I dick around with that stuff on my 
own a lot. Um, but as far as like in a band setting, I'm not glued to the pedal board. Um, cause I already like I'm singing, I'm playing guitar. I do some right. tapping here and there and some of our guitar parts and I'm dancing on the pedal board. I'm like, I'm just, I can't dive that hard into it. You know, would you say there's like uh, one pedal that you can't live without though? Or you could just go straight in and be good to go. Um, I mean, I think I always need an overdrive. I mean, if I had to pick one, um, but man, I love the Strymon Flint. That is such a luscious, awesome reverb and tremolo pedal. That thing's Very my cool. favorite. Shout out to Strymon. Yeah, I mean yeah, that's, that pedal is just a cornerstone of uh, cornerstone of tone right there. <laughs> yeah, dude. Um, so we've talked a lot about your rig. Oh, actually, before we leave the rig, I do want I do want to talk about that amp a little bit more, only because I've never actually played one. So, um, like, what is it? Is it based on anything? Like, what kind of tubes are in there? How could you compare it to anything? I mean, it's kind of like a a JMP, I guess. Um, that's mm-hmm. kind of like what I would compare it to. Um, but really, I like I. There's this band, the Hotelier, that I really like, and I saw them, and the guitarist was playing one of those science heads, and I was like, I've never seen that before, and it sounds amazing, and it's really cool looking, and I hit him up, and I was like, hey, what do you? Is this like a road worthy amp head? I'm I'm like ready to. I was playing a Fender Twin, Lebanese Twin. Um, and I was like, Hey, this looks like cool. Like, what do you, what are your thoughts on it? And he was like, he basically was just like, yeah, it's the only amp I use. I use it on the whole last record. Like I really love it. And, uh, we did a West coast tour and the guy who builds them lives in Seattle. His name's Alex. And, uh, I just emailed him and asked if I could come see his shop. And he was like, yeah, sure. Here's the address. Like come over. And we came there and it was just his house. And he just like builds them in his garage. And they're like fucking awesome. He like, just let us try all of them. There's nowhere else that I could find them. And, uh, yeah, a couple months later, I just asked him to build me one. And like, honestly, a lot of it was like the amps sound great. Um, but there are a lot of amps that sound really great. You know, there's, there's tons of amps that sound amazing. And, uh, like if you were going to go like get a Benson versus like a different boutique amp, like, I think it's just like, whatever, what is your comfortability? Um, how much money do you have to spend? Um, like not, not, uh, not saying that those are all equal, um, at all because they all have their special thing. But like with a band like mine, I don't like, I don't rely on the, the amp a ton for like, you know, the entire character of my band. There's just like so much other shit going on. Um, but honestly, I just like, I loved that guy that built that, that built that amp for me. I loved that amp. I was just like ready to, um, put my money towards someone that I thought was a good person and was making something that I really believed in. And there's a lot of people like that out there. Um, but like when it came down to it for me, I wasn't trying to, uh, I'm trying to buy the best thing for what I'm doing, but I think that there's a lot of options out there and, um, you should put your money behind, uh, like a person that you like kind of admire, I guess. And, uh, that's kind of what I did, I guess. I don't know if that's a good answer. Oh, absolutely, man. Well said. So, uh, is it EL 34 based? Yeah. Got that. It's gotta be, it's, I mean, if it's going to be like a JMP, it's gotta be. All right. (laughs) So we've talked a bit about, uh, you know, the fact, obviously you work with Chicago music exchange, but we haven't really talked much about your photography, which is something I also greatly admire about you. So did like, is that something that you've been doing for a long time too? Like when did, when did that come into your life and what did that look like? 
Um, I got, I like started getting into photography when I was like in high school. I took a bunch of photo classes and like did some film stuff and did some, uh, did some digital stuff. And, uh, you know, I was in and out with it for a while. I debated going to, going to school for it, but I ended up going for like, uh, like an, uh, fine arts, like design degree. Um, but, uh, I shot here and there. And then when I lived at that punk house in Humboldt park, um, one day we came home and our house had been robbed and, uh, all oh, of my, fuck. all my oh. camera stuff was gone. Um, and I didn't shoot for anything but film for years and years and years. And then I met, uh, this dude who, you know, Henry, I think, uh, Aaron Anger. And, oh, uh, yes. yeah, I met Aaron at a show at the empty bottle and it was, it was really crazy because Aaron is like one of the sweetest and, and most talented photographers that I know. Um, and I, he was like, Hey, what are you shooting with? And I was shooting for this like magazine and we talked a little bit about camera gear or whatever. And I was like, what are you doing? And he's like, well, I just sold like, I don't, he's like, I just quit my job and sold a bunch of stuff so I could, he's like, I'm going to start being a photographer or something like that. It was like, it seemed like it was very much like at the start, like that's when we met and, uh, we kept in touch or whatever. And he started like shooting a ton of stuff. And then, uh, years later he was like, Hey, I just started working at Chicago music exchange. Do you want a job as a photographer? And I was like, I don't own a camera. Um, like, (laughs) (laughs) uh, and he was like, don't worry. Like they, they have a camera that you can use. So like I, I worked at Chicago music exchange. Like I, I sent in a resume on a whim uh, hoping they would hire me despite my like tour schedule and stuff. And I didn't own a camera until like maybe like a digit, like a nice digital camera until like maybe a, a year and a half ago. Um, I was just shooting film and like now it's like a huge part of my, uh, my life and identity. <laughs> and, uh, it's, I don't know, oh. it kind of just like it happened in a really, uh, like a, a really fake it till you make it way. Like I can't, that's great though, I man. Job I think that happens, that happens with a lot of people, man, you know? So, I mean, do you, when you're thinking about, oh, good. Um, if anybody could have just heard that, Sophie decided that uh, that's my cat. She decided that I was not paying enough attention to her and just knocked a big box off my table. So thanks, oh. Sophie. Uh, <laughs> it, when you're when you're thinking about like, obviously you're a songwriter and you're also a photographer. Like, do you see any kind of crossover between songwriting and also composing shots that you're taking? Um, kinda, not in like, a not in like, uh, people will revel at the, like the, the way that I see the two are the same <laughs> or anything like that, you know, like, but, uh, I think that my overall like feeling with, with writing music is, uh, I mean, first of all, you really got to like write, write the music that you want to listen to and, and take the picture that you want to see. And it's, you really have to listen to yourself and know yourself to do that. Um, but like really just try and make shit that you think is dope. And, uh, and overall, like, I think that, um, what's the word for when you don't drink a lot, you just drink some moderation. <laughs> I think that there moderation, is. Oh, yeah. <laughs> isn't that the key to life? I think that moderation is kind of like, uh, the strategy not like, not, it's a kind of a loser's strategy. I don't mean to say like losers, but like, interesting. I, I just think that like, Hey, if you're going to write an angry song, make it fucking angry. Like, don't, yeah. wo- don't worry about like, Oh, is it too, angry? is it too, is it too loud? Is it too dark? Is it too, you know, once just you're asking the question, it. you've already lost, right? Like you gotta, yeah. you, know, you gotta, don't even ask those questions. Just go for it. You know? And I, and I think a lot of that, for me, because I, I struggle with that a lot. Like, oh, is it to this? Is it to that? It's because mm-hmm. I'm from the the Midwest, and I'm afraid of, uh, like, my backbone is made of like 
being meek and fearful and like I you yep. just have to rally against yourself and be like no I'm here for 50 to 70 years and I'm gonna do this and I'm gonna do it as loud and whatever as possible and you just gotta you just gotta fucking do it for you you know and just make really, it as crazy yeah. as you can beautiful, good as you want yeah. that's really interesting I'm, I'm reminded in and you already sort of mentioned blink 182 I've honestly I've never really been a big fan of theirs oh but huge I fan remember, right here I remember reading back in the day it was an interview with travis barker and he was talking about i don't know just this idea of like fallback plans and making it and and this decision to really go for it and he was talking about and they were like you know it was something like why when when did you decide that this was going to be the thing and he's like you know what i decided to get a neck tattoo because once i got my neck blasted i knew that i wouldn't have any other options to do anything else (laughs) right right. and 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 it sounds kind of similar to what you're saying it's like if you're going to do it just fucking do it and go all the way and 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 something that gets ingrained at us is you know we live in chicago but it's still the midwest and there are certain values and and part of it is just like well got to be safe got to have that backup plan got to have something else going for you and that's not always necessarily going to lead to the most sort of inspired or or interesting or or revolutionary music or art or photography whatever it is yeah it reminds me of that old saying you got to throw your hat over the fence you know you ever heard that one yeah you throw your hat i haven't but you gotta fucking you gotta deal with it you know you gotta gotta, either go get it fence and go get it or you don't or you don't have a hat that's it then you got a hat your head's cold yeah i mean you really gotta You gotta, you gotta just fucking believe in yourself and just do it. Um, nice, and man. Uh, as long as you believe in yourself and you trust yourself, you really can't fail because if you, if you fuck it up or if, if you, something bad happens, like you just have to know that you're gonna find a way out of it in some way. Yeah. Like you, you're gonna let, you're not gonna let yourself die. You're not gonna let yourself. Uh, if you, if you fail, you're just gonna do something else. I think there was some interview with like Billy Joe Armstrong, and he's just like, they're like. Uh, what would you do if Green Day didn't like make it big? And he's like, I would be playing in Green Day. Like, they, like it's right, not like right. a, he's like, I just be still be doing the thing that I'm doing. Um, yeah, yeah. And, he didn't have an out. There's no bagging groceries. It's like you're playing in the band or you're not. Yeah, but I think it's cool that Travis Barker's like, I'm just gonna get a neck tattoo because that's even a, another step further. Because it's like, hey, I'm gonna put out there, and the people right. who are like, I don't fly with those people will fuck off and the people who are like oh sick neck tattoo dude or the people who don't care those are your people it's just like you just yep you just cut out all the meat already or all the fat you're just like here if you're not down clearly you won't be down and that's an important thing to do too just like don't even let your uh don't even let your enemies like get to the point where you have to call them that just like just Mm -hmm. i don't know i think that's tight Fuck yeah, dude. So it wouldn't be, uh, it, I feel like I'm, it, it's in the true GearBuds nature where we've got to at least bring it back to gear for a little bit towards the end here. And 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 and, and I will say I love the product photography that you do, the way that you are able to shoot guitars and 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 all the different things and make them seem alive and, and desirable. And, and in fact, I'll add that, you know, it, people might notice that some of our photos have, have slightly improved on our Instagram lately. And I think Hell a lot yeah. of that has to do with the fact that I got a light that you recommended to me and and it's fucking awesome and i used it today and it's and it's great so if you could give us maybe a handful of things that maybe you've learned or some tips that you could share like someone wants to get into the game of shooting guitars or even if it's just like shooting your own stuff for instagram or maybe for selling something on reverb like anything that you can share in that regard to sort of help people improve the their own shots that they're taking 
Oh yeah, for shooting. I mean, I would say the most important thing in photography in general, which you just brought up, is just having a good light source. Um, even if that's like your your biggest window during the day, um, like it just will make it look so much better to just have like like a lot of light, as much light as you can possibly get on your subject. Unless you're going for something really artsy, um, just get the just get that thing lit up, and then uh, nice. and then people can see it. <laughs> you know, they can't see it if it's not lit up. And, uh, yeah, just look out for glare and shit, you know? And what about, like, I think something I struggle with is kind of finding a way to let the let the guitar sort of shine or the pedal look cool, but, like, put it in a in an, in an, a unique or interesting environment like how do you how do you approach that like is it is it just completely instinctual do you go on with a plan like what do you how do you kind of approach that um well i mean i kind of uh you got to look at what you're shooting first right like if it's like a if it's something vintage i'll try and uh i guess pair it with something that i think evokes the same kind of like life it's probably led whether that's like mm-hmm. some old wood or like maybe like some vibey plants or something. Um, But I don't know. It's also important to like be able to like put, if you're like shooting a product or whatever, like being able to put it in a place that people could view themselves using it. Um, You know, whether it's like, I'm looking at your Instagram right now, but like you got some stuff like on a windowsill next to a plant or like it's with an amp and some other stuff that it could play along with. And like that makes people go like, oh shit, this, yeah, yeah, totally. I want to do that. I I want that to be my life that you know with that guitar or whatever um and that's simply selling it but um i think that uh just with the stuff that i do at chicago music exchange it's the job in my opinion is easy because they have such a beautiful inventory um i'm taking a picture of something that's already art so um right like right. the sg is just like a beautiful guitar um there are ways to highlight that and that's what i do um but i mean it's already a work of art so it's uh, it does most of the work dude that was awesome yeah man uh if you could uh tell us where can people check out your music worth it where should they go online to take a look for that stuff um trusty bandcamp kalimasi.bandcamp.com k-a-l-i-m-a-s-i we're on spotify um we're on itunes we're all over the place we're on youtube and all that all that junk but yeah on instagram and it's just one word kalimasi band and you'll be able to find us there Boom. And what about, um, do you have somewhere that you kind of, how is your photography or is, do you just kind of keep that, uh, all with the Chicago music exchange sites? Um, man, I only share my, like, like my personal photography really just like on my own Instagram. I know that's like an, uh, amateur, amateur hour answer, but yeah, you can, uh, I'm on Instagram as mid restless M I D W R E S T L E S S. And there's some photos on there of pictures that I photos of the pictures that I've taken photos of. A Xerox of the photo of the picture of the... The thing of the thing. Of the Polaroid. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Dude, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with us. That was awesome. Yeah, thanks Uh, for having me on here. People go 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 listen to Kalimasi. The music's fucking dope. They'll they'll have a new record at some point in the future. Oh, one last question. What does the band name mean? Uh, Kalimasi is a... It's a breed of chicken. It's this uh, chicken that's native to India that has like black feathers and a black beak and dark darker blood and it's just like a gnarly a gnarly looking chicken dude what a brutal way to end this i love that (laughs) thank you so much for being on that was amazing nice meeting you man thank Thank you. you yeah you too